Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome back, everybody, to Irish Illustrated Insider. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Pete Sampson joins us from The Athletic, and we are two days away from Notre Dame hosting Clemson for the first time in two years. The the, uh, the magnitude of the game is not quite what it was a couple of years ago, but Clemson ranked number four in uh, this week's first college football playoff rankings. The weather that we've heard about is uh, we're going to continue to monitor that because I've heard some things here recently that say that uh, the the storm will blow through. The wind will dissipate by the time game starts, but the over underline dropped to 44 and a half. Notre Dame is a three and a half point underdog. And how do you guys see this game? Three and a half um, makes sense from, I don't want to jump on a question, but from the point of view that we have known since, I mean, August, this, this was not a big spread, right? It has never been a big spread. Um, Notre Dame is better than they showed against Stanford and Marshall, but are they as good as these top six teams? Let's, let's throw Clemson in the top six, how, any way you want to shuffle them up. That's, right. that's what you're going to find out. And it, it's, it's tough because I think Notre Dame is trending up in many ways, but not at quarterback. And that's the most important possible position in college football uh, for the last 50 years and, and even more so every day. Yeah, it's the most important position in any sport, anywhere, at any level. Um, and yeah, that's where Notre Dame is, is struggling right now. They're scuffling. I don't think that uh, Reese has figured out how to get Pine back to where he was against BYU in North Carolina. Not that he needs to have those stat lines, but he's he is a there is a capable quarterback in there in the num- wearing the number ten jersey, but he it has not he hasn't played that way. So this is probably not the weekend that that comes back. Um, and so, man, you got You have to not only run the ball as well as you've ever run it against a top five team. Um, you still have to figure out something, uh, through the air with pine to, to get over the top on Saturday night. Yeah. That was my concern coming out of Syracuse that there's no, there's no time to improve. Now it has to happen against Clemson and the Clemson defense, which is, uh, you know, it's been, it's been better, but it's still pretty darn good. And I, you know, this is a really, really exciting Notre Dame offensive line versus Clemson defensive line matchup. Now that's mitigate a little bit. Again, if the quarterback can't hold up his end of the bargain, throwing the football and help, you know, loosen things up a little bit in the box for Notre Dame. But, you know, I will say, Tim, I think you'll agree with this, that when you have a great offensive line and a great defensive line, which way does that normally tilt? if it tilts one way or the other. Oh, it's not close anymore. And I was just on with Chuck Oliver uh, on the Southern sports show. And in modern college football, top tier defensive lines beat top tier offensive lines. The, the equalizer can be a running quarterback because that makes it. So you have to account for everything, a running quarterback that can throw Notre Dame does not have a running quarterback that can throw. I don't know if they would have a running quarterback that can throw in Tyler Buckner, but it hurts more that they don't have a running quarterback in this situation. We were discussing it. He's like, what's the last dominant offensive line rushing attack? Now, this might not be the last one, but put the Alabama offensive line with three first-team All-Americans in that Notre Dame national championship game in 2012. Like, they're in a museum right now having A.J. McCarron as a runner because no one turns around and hands it off for a top-tier running attack against top-tier defensive lines in college anymore. Just look watch sec championship games, watch playoff games. It just doesn't happen that way. And that is Notre Dame's biggest challenge. People are going to be all over this offensive line for allowing 15 stuffs. There's an extra guy coming to hit you every single time. It's like, uh, the great, pretty great offensive line of Notre Dame in 2017, right? Like, right. You ran, right, you ran right. into Georgia. Not that great. It was a great off. It was a great offensive line. That was, a and you had a running quarterback that night too. Yeah, um, yeah. Who tried to throw it forty times? So it's um, it's it would be one thing if Notre Dame also had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, then that great offensive line would probably flex a little bit more than it's going to be able to do with Drew Pine and Lorenzo Styles. It's just not the same threat um, to keep the defense honest. Like I, 
I'm fascinated to see how Clemson plays this. Do they try to play it straight up? Um, you know, by having six guys in the box, or do they just do they come all the way down and then just sort of like force Notre Dame to throw it um, and see how that works out? I I think it will be the latter, but I'm very very interested because Clemson's personnel would allow them to play Notre Dame straight up and just like let's see if Notre Dame can run it. We'll play you straight up, give you the first quarter, and we'll yeah. adjust accordingly. But I, but I would think Clemson would just come out and be like, nope, eight men in the box. Let's see what you got. Yeah, I can see it either way, Pete. And I think you, you, I mean, you give both sides of it, and I can see that. Why not start, you know, in base and see where it goes from there? I, I can understand that. Now, on the other side of the ball, you know, we've we've talked about the defense's issues in the red zone, the the long drives, the explosive plays, all those things. Pretty much have to be. I don't know about eliminated, but they have to be mitigated. This oh, yeah. time around, and and uh, you know, I mean, we talk about co- uh, quarterback confidence, and DJ Uyangalele is, or I mean, he is, not, he's not in a great place per se coming out of the last game. They've had two weeks off. He was replaced by uh, Cade Klubnik, and uh, he's not in a great place either. But he has more of a foundation and more of more success from which to to dip back into and build upon. I mean, he was a pretty good. He was good to very good up until the Syracuse game. His numbers were were excellent. He was doing good things. There was a lot of, of, of real positive things coming out of Clemson about how he had bounced back from last mm-hmm. year. Uh, his receiving core is not what it was in 2018, which is really very difficult to, to ever <laughs> duplicate. You could end the podcast yeah. right now if his receiving core was what yeah, it was no in 2018. Doubt, no doubt about would, it. Would be the end of the podcast. They do have a couple long guys, and the one guy that stands out to me at, at the wideout position is, is Bo Collins. He's listed at 6'3", 210. I think I said on Monday the dude's got the longest arms you're ever going to see on a wide receiver. They have a true freshman in Antonio Williams, who, of course, works underneath a smaller guy. Uh, he's been very, very slippery. They have Joseph Nagata, who when you get Collins and him out in the routes, you know, they become more effective together. And I love their I love their tight end tight uh, tandem and Davis Allen and Jake Brittingstool. So Notre Dame has to be sharp defensively. They're going to have to be. They can't give up three touchdowns and three red zone appearances like they did against Syracuse. So. Obviously, both sides are challenged. I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a pretty good Clemson offensive line, which isn't always pretty good on a year-to-year basis. So uh, Al Golden's going to have to pitch a, a, a not a, that's good, not a no hitter like in last last night's World Series game, but they're going to have a pit, pitch a much better ball game than they have in the second halves of games in recent weeks. Yeah, they, they've they've got to force something the force the issue at some point. I don't think that they've really, well, I guess they did this double safety blitz at Ohio state when they tried to force the issue, but they're, they're, they're going to have to get to a moment where golden calls something risky, high risk, and it's going to have to hit. Um, You know, I I think we talked about this Ohio state, like the game plan was good. You had to get Ohio state to the point where they, they, they blinked or they thought like we're in a game here. And then you had to go make a play like Notre Dame did the first part, but failed at the second part. They're going to be in that same situation again on Saturday night, where there's going to be a moment in the game where golden's going to want to get after it and be aggressive. And when he does, the call has to work um, better than it did in Columbus. I wanted to save this for my prediction, but Priester made too good of a point. So I want to follow up three red zone trips, three touchdowns can't happen. You know why that can't happen? Cause first of all, that sounds great. Clemson can make three road zone trips and score three touchdowns, just like yeah. Syracuse did. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Unfortunately, they're going to get one deep too. They're going to hit Notre Dame outside the red zone mm-hmm. like they did in 2020 in the loss, like they did in 2020 in the win, and like they did throughout 2018. Like that ball is going to happen against man-to-man coverage and Benjamin Morrison or Cam Hart or possibly Clarence Lewis. It could even happen against Tariq Bracey, but that ball is coming against Clemson. So Tim, you're absolutely right. Three red zone trips. Awesome. One touchdown better. That that's how you can, that's how you can do it. Lots, lots not lots that of... much to ask for a defense that is good. Otherwise, oh, right. Yeah. I'm yeah, not being exactly. crazy here. This is, well, it's like saying, it... don't let Shaq 
Jack Dunk when he gets the ball in there. I mean, just don't <laughs> let them score every time. This is it's insane. And you need a turnover or two. You know, I mean, as they go through the the last month of the regular season, uh, you know, El Golden says they come in bunches. Well, th- that stat needs to even out a little bit, especially <laughs> in Notre Dame Stadium. Where if it evens out, Notre Dame's going to kill everybody this month. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> dominate. Are they? Is that? Did I see that graphic? They're minus seven at home in in turnover margin, yep. which is at home is just. <laughs> I mean, you do have a home field crowd. I, I realize the Notre Dame fans reputation out. is not. What's it's that? Sold out. Today it sold out about an hour ago. Wow, yeah. that's that's good. That, that's bad though, too. It sold out an hour ago. Oh, 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 oh. Note your name in Clemson. I woke up to Facebook sending me requests for buying tickets to the Notre Dame Clemson game today. <laughs> the Notre Dame Clemson game. Yeah, that's uh that's that's pretty sad. Um, and you know Clemson fans are traveling well. Uh anything we had interviews, of course, uh, on Tuesday. Anything that came out of that, we have the coordinators. We didn't have we didn't have Brian Mason again, but we had we had Foskey and Leah Fowl and Patterson and Mitchell Evans. Yes. You talked to Mitchell about, Evans. How was that with Mitchell? Yeah, Pelusa? it was it was kind of fun. I have a little bit of that in my Thursday thoughts today about him being under center. He said he hadn't been, you know, I think we had I think somewhere out there, maybe the maybe the NBC crew had said, Oh, he had taken some snaps under center in high school. Not true. He said middle school was probably the last time he had taken <laughs> they just don't snaps. don't do that and, anymore, do they? There's yeah, no but I mean, obviously practice it and he gets a good low base and he gets underneath it. And he was, uh, you know, they he, he had a little bit of fun with it because um, he was completely caught by surprise when he got a text from Tommy Reese <laughs> saying that they were going to, we're going to start working on this. He's like, what? <laughs> I was pretty depressed. Um, the fact that oh. the package is called Mitchapalooza and Mitchell Evans has never seen old school, so doesn't get the reference at all. Um, that that made me feel uh, old. Uh, and then ask Reese about play action. I feel like you guys have probably got the same questions I've got. Like, why doesn't Notre Dame do it more? It's so successful. He said last week it was sort of the stunts and twists of Syracuse made it difficult to do. Um, but, you know, it's he definitely knows, like, that's something that Drew Pine feels comfortable with. And when you have an opportunity to do it, you got to hit it. Um, so that's that's got to be key on Saturday night that they get some more play action stuff from Drew Pine. I talked to Tommy Reese about the screen game. And before I get into that, I want it three points on Mitchell Palooza. Number one, it should be Mitchell Palooza because it is Mitchell Evans. So they could they really missed a marketing situation here. It doesn't need to be Mitch a Palooza. Mitchell oh, right, Palooza right, would be right. great. But that's what number, it was in old school. Yeah. Number two, Pete, it is not your fault. It is his fault that he does not know about old school it is everyone's fault that they don't know about old school if they don't know about old school you are not old you are correct he is too young or wrong and number three i thought the last mitchell palooza sneak only worked because it was syracuse (laughs) and i think they better clean that up and not go so high against clemson because he's going to lose a yard and a half if you throw out of it in that last one do it do it you coward throw out of the mitch palooza (laughs) but but you know i mean clemson's got to be alerted to the possibility of that at this point if they read Irish Illustrated, they'll definitely be alerted to it. But they're all over Irish it, Illustrated. Pete. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. No <laughs> doubt. Uh, Dabo is uh, scanning it right now. Ooh, can't say scan. Hey, last thing in segment one, uh, the college football playoff rankings came out for the first time this week. Tennessee, number one, followed by Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, number four, Michigan's number five. Much of the chagrin of Michigan fans who think they should be ahead of Clemson. And then on and on, Alabama, TCU. Any reactions to the way the rankings came out? Notre Dame, of course, not among the nation's top 25. There's a very easy solution to that for next week. Only good thing about this season is not having to watch that show on Tuesdays. I think uh, the final four could be played this weekend. I mean, I'm sorry, three of the final four with LSU as the uh, spoiler alert. And I have no opinion on the top six other than I was surprised to hear Greg McElroy, who I thought did a good job. I was surprised with people's um, commentary on the on the game. I thought they did a good job. And I don't normally like Joe Tessitore. And I, he didn't bother me at all. But I, I, McElroy saying Ohio State is four or five and Michigan is one is a <laughs> bit much for me. Now, I like uh, Michigan fans being upset about the Clemson thing. I, I actually think Michigan would beat Clemson. And I know that's going to anger some I people, do too. But yeah. But the Ohio, the Ohio State being like, they haven't beaten anybody. Notre Dame doesn't count. Like, I mean, 
<laughs> Michigan beat Penn State. If we're doing they haven't beaten anybody game. If you watch Ohio State play football, they're pretty good. If you watch Michigan play football, they're pretty good. Like it's not just because they've only beaten Notre Dame and Penn State. <laughs> so I found that strange. Um, but I'm glad Tennessee has won because they earned that yes. on the field. 100 percent Oh, you think Tennessee Tennessee should be ahead of Alabama? Yeah, I do. I do indeed. They beat them. Um yeah. That's a joke. Ten- That's a joke yeah, on my part. Yes, I know. Uh, ten- the thing with Tennessee is, and they're an eight-point underdog against Georgia this weekend. That does not. Who Vegas thinks should win should not be how you determine your top four in a playoff ranking if a team has played the other team. So what? What is Notre Dame's a three-point underdog to Clemson? They're not in the top twenty-five. That has nothing to do with what Vegas thinks. Like that's. It's all so <laughs> and. I don't know. It's college football and the ranking thing gets annoying. And uh, Pete, I was about to take offense to you saying you didn't want to watch the the playoff ranking thing. And now I realize I'm glad I didn't watch it because I get annoyed by all these people talking about it. It's really annoying. It's, it's just, just it's so manufactured. Like the, the whole Michigan, Ohio State, like it will work itself out yeah. uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it'll work itself out just fine. And I'm not saying Michigan's not better than Ohio State. I was just surprised by the like, well, who's Ohio State? Like, I don't know. They beat every team by 40, except for Penn State, who they beat at Penn State, and Notre Dame, who they beat. Like, that's who they had to play. Yeah, and Michigan's good. I mean, I I understand. I understand. I understand their schedule up to this point. But if you, I mean, if you just try to evaluate it objectively, Michigan, that offensive line is awesome. Yes, and running, and which makes and the running, running back. Awesome. Right, and their running back is is tremendous. Their defense is probably not as good as it was last year. It can't be because of the people that they lost. And actually, Michigan-Clemson would be a really fun regular season game to watch with that offensive line, running game, and Clemson's defensive line. Like that, I would I would love to see those two play this year. If Notre Dame doesn't beat Clemson, that's kind of a game I want to see is Michigan strength versus Clemson strength. AP had Georgia over Tennessee, which again is a, it's all going to work itself out, but I don't, (laughs) it's so hard to beat Alabama and then you beat Alabama and I, BK, what he's going to do it this weekend. I don't know. It's up to him, isn't it? (laughs) It's up to him or Georgia in football. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, if Alabama was undefeated, I would, I would, Give them a better chance, but once they've lost, Saban is it's really hard to beat them twice. Cracking the way, yeah, it's very hard to to beat them a second time. Let's talk. I saw more. Brian Kelly. I saw Brian Kelly on the Sean Crawford podcast. Did you guys watch any of that? I, I heard about it. I did not about see about Marcus Freeman, but I did not watch his take yeah. on Alabama. Yeah. He went to uh, the SEC to play in games like this in the regular season. That's why he's there. <laughs> just uh, just turning that knife a little bit further, yeah. huh? Hey, I thought we'll it was the cafeteria. So- Yeah. (laughs) Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. Have you ever felt uneasy signing a lease for a house or a car? You'll know a little how Arthur Guinness felt when in 1759 he signed a 9,000 year lease for the St. James Gate Brewery in Dublin. He was a shrewd businessman, of course. Because over 250 years later, the annual payment remains just £45. Want to find out more? Be sure you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. Burning Up the Boards is brought to you by Game Day Your Way. Notre Dame football fans, make your trip to South Bend easy this fall with the help of Game Day Your Way. Services include tailgates, transportation, tickets and more, making Game Day your one-stop shop for Notre Dame football weekend. Learn more at gamedayyourway.com. And use promo code IRISHPOD22 to save 10% on your tailgate package. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question comes from Statman72. The weather forecast calls for high winds Saturday, which often affects the passing game. Given ND's limited passing game, this should hurt Clemson more than ND, shouldn't it? In theory, certainly it should. Um, did we mention, and uh, yeah, you know, the, the forecast is 
could be a little bit better than than what we have heard here the last couple get couple days. But yeah, it, you know, it. I mean, if it's raining, and and we know what we know what Brian Kelly says about the difference between rain and and wind, and he's right. The wind is is uh, more of a detriment. But yeah, I mean, if it's raining, um, I guess Notre Dame's DBs are on unequal footing then too, and so maybe that gives an advantage to it. A lot. It all depends upon how bad the wind is by 7.30 at night, and that's the thing, that by that point of the day, it could be significantly diminished. You know, DJ Uyunglele on a dry field was 13 of 21 for 138 yards and two touchdowns, or two interceptions his last time out. Um, I don't think Clemson is, like, probably the passing, the air quotes passing team that we've come to to know with Clemson based on previous Notre Dame matchups. So does it hurt? Clemson more than Notre Dame, yes. Um, but I mean, Clemson will go into kind of a very Notre Dame style of offense if it, it can downshift that way. Shipley had 27 carries for a buck 72. Yeah. Like if they can't pass, they'll acknowledge it and they'll just run the hell out of the ball. So there I, I would I would assume that they would be sort of be ready to play that way if the conditions force them to play that way. Yeah, I'd, I'd still rather have Clemson play one way than two ways because Notre Dame has to play oh, one yeah. way. Um, the only other thing, the only other way looking at it is DJ Uyunga Galay has a ball that could cut wind. You guys think Drew Pine has a ball that will dice through that? Yeah, thirty mile an hour wind. Yeah, and the thing about Uyunga Galay is he he can hurt you with his legs in a variety of ways. I mean, out of RPO and and you know the read or a design quarterback draw or taking off out of the pocket. I mean, every imaginable way that you can run with a six four. 235 pound quarterback they they will do that they do they don't do a slow mesh but they do a slowish mesh you know not wake for not like wake forest um and so that gives him a little bit more leeway but he's you know he's not he's not he's not the running threat that garrett schrader would have been had he been healthy uh but still a threat nonetheless question from irish fan 151 why is Notre Dame plus three and a half versus Clemson? We walked I mean, over this a little bit. It's never been that much different. Um, there's, I mean, Clemson is not a top four Vegas go out, beat you by 50 team. Notre Dame would be plus 16 and a half against Alabama, right? I mean, there'd be 14 and a half, 15 and a half, 16 and a half. I don't think they view Clemson that way. That doesn't mean Clemson's not a number four playoff team. It's just Notre Dame is missing one thing to play Clemson 100% evenly for 60 minutes. Pretty important right. thing, it, but they're missing thing. one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, the beginning of the year, we talked, there were three teams at the top, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio state, and the spreads behaved accordingly that way. When Notre Dame went to Columbus and was double digit underdog, it made total sense that they were. Um, but Clemson was in the second group of teams. We thought Notre Dame would be in the second group of teams. Um, nor did we think Clemson or Tennessee would be in the first group of teams, but it's, I think it, it. I'm surprised the spread is as small as it is. But I, if it was seven and a half, that would that wouldn't make any sense either. Like no, maybe no, no, maybe no. like four and a half. Four and I'm a half. Well, it was it, it, off by like a point. It was four and a half. I'm using today's okay. updated okay. Uh, updated line. So, um, there's that. It's it's amazing to me that, I mean, Dabo Sweeney's fifteenth year as head coach you know, okay, this is not as good of a Clemson team. They won 14 games in a row. I mean, they're number four in the country. Um, it, it's just amazing the program that, that, that he has built, that we would, that we would talk about this team. Like it's such a lesser team and but they're on a four. You agree. You agree it's not the 2018. Of course. Of no, course. So that is, that's no. why the spreads yeah. that. No, I, I, I agree with that. I think now did we point it out in the, in the previous segment that Tennessee's an eight and a half point underdog as a number one team? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's yep. just, they look at three different three teams differently than they look at everybody else. Yeah. Mr. Irish red, how good is Clemson's offensive line? Pretty important question. It, it is. And I think that it's, I think it's pretty good. You know, I, I, I wrote a scouting report on Clemson and um, it, it's, I don't see a weak link in the chain. Now, somebody that covers it on an everyday basis may have a different opinion about that. I think they're, I think they're pretty good as, as a, a pass blocking group and they only have to be 
so good as a run blocking group with Will Shipley. I, I just, I, he is, he is such a unique running back that can hurt you in so many different ways, including the passing game. You think you have him surrounded. You don't, you think you're going to bring him down. You can't. He's just a really, really special football player behind a, a good to very good offensive line from what I've seen. I don't know if, uh, Tim, you got in this with Anna, um, in your insiders preview, but we had Grace Rayner on our podcast this week, and and I did a roundtable with her, and I think she just sort of described Clemson's offensive line as like, well, it's not a weakness. Um, like, it's got it's better, but that doesn't mean that it's a strength. I think that's I, fair. I yeah, think I, and that that's honestly what Notre Dame needs is it can't be a strength because if – if they lose at all to Clemson's offensive line, that is it. That's just, yeah, they can't, you can't, you have Notre Dame's test to have the two best things on the field have to be Notre Dame's offensive line and Notre Dame's defensive line. I just didn't see over the course of watching the games that I did, I didn't see them cutting defensive linemen loose right and left Mm -hmm. or even with any degree of, of, of inconsistency or, you know, it, it wasn't happening a lot. Now, did I, have I watched every play of every game that Clemson played this year? Of course not. But, uh, you know, and for me, again, it's it's Shipley's ability. Mafa is a is a good running back that's going to run with power. And then Uyunglele can hurt you in the variety of ways that I said in the running game. Having said all that, I mean, I don't – you guys are going to make predictions at the end here today, and I'll make mine tomorrow. Um, I mean, I don't know that anybody's predicting that Clemson's scoring in the 30s. Right, but if you said that they had the offensive line we talked about on this podcast previously, 2017 Notre Dame, 2012 Alabama, oh, they'd score yeah. in the 30s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, and yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Sure. yeah, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. CMU Pence fan, of Notre Dame's regular starters, how many do you feel would start for Clemson? Hmm. So you could think of three on offense quickly, right, in Mayor, Alton, Patterson? Yes. Um. Maybe Fisher right. at a different position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how you work it in the offensive yeah. line. So, yeah. yep. so you could say four on offense. Um, <laughs> it gets, Fos- it gets, well, Foskey it, would start. You'd find we Foskey would start on Clemson. They have a group of the best I, defensive line, but yeah. I think Foskey would start on Clemson. Um, I, they would, just, they yeah. would just have the best defensive line. And I really like KJ Henry, but he yeah. probably would start ahead of. They, they would still have an elite defensive line, and they'd have Isaiah Foskey starting on the yes. defensive yeah. line. Yeah. As How well. about that? So but now, but now, uh, I mean, it would be there Justin Adamolola. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe Bracy although they never would have recruited Tariq Bracey, so he wouldn't be on their roster. Yeah. Um, yeah Brandon well, Joseph not the, could, he is not the guy they recruited. Tariq Bracey is not the guy Notre Dame. No. That is but, I mean, he I, might, no, he I, might, he would play. I think he would play there based on their corners just not being that great. Yeah, um, Tariq Bracey would definitely be involved in that. Yeah, yeah, I think Brandon Joseph maybe would start at one of the safety spots. He would be in the, I, I would say, he would be in the rotation, definitely. I wrote That's him it. down as well. Yep. I mean, it's ridiculous uh, to say the other safeties would play for Clemson or start for Clemson. Come on, what are we, what are we talking about? No, I mean, Makuba's a, a a a pretty good say. Mickens is is uh, is another one of their safeties. They'll blitz. They'll blitz a a safety. Did I mention this Monday? I probably didn't. They'll blitz a safety. You know who it is? I'd rather see them blitz a safety than keep eight guys back. Yeah, <laughs> they'll blitz Tyler Venables. He, in fact, he blitzes quite a bit. Um, transfer portal. See, he better get used to it. Yeah, I don't see him showing up a lot. You know, they're kind of young back there. They've got a freshman in Toriano Pride Jr. that's uh, playing a lot at corner. They're kind of young back there. Nate Wiggins gave up three pass interference penalties against Wake Forest, but he's cons- you know, I mean, he's considered a pretty good ball player. Sheridan Jones, who's been there for a while, has been banged up. They have their defense has they've missed a lot of games collectively due to injury. But they're so deep, especially on the defensive line. You know, Diggs and Estime would be the second <laughs> back, though. Yeah, yeah. I, that's a starting I, I position think, nowadays. Yeah. Like, that's a starting um, job. Estime's, Estime point. is a better big back than Phil Maffa is. Right, right. So we I, I, we dismissed that because of Shipley. But the, it, it goes Shipley, Estime, and Diggs. Maffa, right? I mean, you're going. Yeah, yeah. Now that, that's kind of how there's a debate on our message board about how good Will that. Shipley is. Yeah. Oh, 
I like, mean, great debate, or the awesome? Debate, like, the real what's part the debate? Of the, no, no. The real no, part of the like, debate, Pete, is Shipley or the two of them, because probably how it would have worked out. That's you know, that's mainly the debate. But there's yeah. also been some comments that Shipley isn't that good. And hmm. okay, okay, right. if that's if that's how you want to play it, <laughs> I can say words too. That's, well, here's some more words. JP Wirt. Oh wait, hold on one second. John Sott would start for them. Yeah, and so would yes. Dwight Yoakam, which means they'd have two kickoff specials that would start for them because they have bombs. Yoakam unleashes bombs. JP Wirt, do you get a sense that the OC and DC like meeting with the media every week? Do other schools put their coordinators out there as much as Notre Dame does post Brian Kelly? And we should point out the timing of the Clemson game because they're always out there. The Clemson guys. They talk post game. They talk post game. The Clemson quarters. Yeah, but I don't that I don't I think that's more the exception of the rule. That is yes, more yes. the exception of the rule. I actually asked as El Golden sat down, I said, So coach, tell us how much you enjoy meeting with the media every day. And he saw that the recorders had already been placed down. He said, Not with those running. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, they mind. I don't think they mind. I yeah, I mean I Golden's every a pretty, week is different. But. Yeah, Golden's a pretty easygoing guy. And I think to some extent. You know, except when the when you know it's negative. I think to some extent, Tommy Reese does like to do it because he can address some topics that he doesn't have an opportunity to address. But you know, I, I don't know that it's necessary that they run them out every week. I think it's great. It helps. Had, had they said every other week, we would have been like awesome, thrilled. <laughs> yeah. Thrilled. Oh, you mean what, every other before, week? Yeah. That would be great because well, we were- if you swapped in like Al Washington and Chancey Stuckey yeah. and Jared Parker. Like, I I think it's great that they're coming out. I think Reese sort of enjoys the uh, sparring aspect of yeah, the media a little bit. Sure. Um, yeah. He likes to needle us a little bit. Yeah. So, but I just sort of like, look, these guys are making millions of dollars yeah. to coach football. They can come out and talk about football for 10 minutes once a week. And yeah. I, think Reece, I think Reese does enjoy that and not in a bad way. Like he, when I asked him, what's the key to improving the screen game? I don't have to put subtext in there. The screen game is not as good as it used to be, right? Yeah. He's like, well, we have to call it, right? And that was kind of implied. Like, yeah, you do have to call it. So what's yeah. the key to you being able to call it? So yeah. he was good with it. And then, he, of course, he decided to start listing when somebody asked him about the shift. The, the scan. scan. The scan. Yeah. He decided to start listing touchdowns and big plays off the scan. That was kind of funny. I thought that was a good point. Well, that, and that is he, stuck in his craw. Yeah, time. and that's that's the thing. It's like, I well, I asked about you know, how do you get Lorenzo styles more involved? Well, then he starts naming plays that were called for him that are changed at the line of scrimmage, which or, is true. It's good to know. Yeah, it's, I yeah. Want, That's why you asked right. the question. You need to know these right. things. And it could, because he said they went into the Syrac- Syracuse game thinking about trying to get him more involved. And then a couple plays are changed because of the defensive alignment. And, you know, then it kind of, then he, you, you, you go back to just calling what you have to call in order to be, to try to be successful. Plus, we will always have Al Golden's reaction with looking like you had three heads when you asked about yeah. J.D. Bertrand. So that will be a highlight yeah. of the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. And once and yeah, I'll leave that one alone. Got a question from uh, Trev Alive. It's easy to attribute Nordame's losses to Freeman as a first-time head coach, but this team is performing the same as last year with one exception. Last year, they had a quarterback who led last-minute drives versus Florida State to lead on Virginia Tech. This year, the quarterback didn't get it done in similar situations. O'Malley, I picked this question because I thought you'd like it. Yeah, I think we we talked about that a little bit offline. Um, it, it's a big difference. There's there's a big difference when Notre Dame doesn't lose Toledo because Jack Cohn has to have his finger snap back in place for a win, or if he came off the field and they lost. What if Jack Cohn did not snap his finger back into place and they put in Drew Pine or Tyler? Well, they would have put in Drew Pine, right? And uh, they won. Well, it's unlikely that uh, I know. And what that, happens that situation. What if Tyler Buckner, who hurt his ankle or didn't hurt his ankle, but was struggling in the second half against everything Virginia Tech threw at him, had to stay in that game instead of Jack Cohn coming in and winning that game. I yeah. think there is there's a lot to this. And this is why I said Notre Dame's fourth quarter will determine eight of 12 games. And I undersold that, I think. Yeah, I think it's ex- with one exception, it's like, that's not, you can't, I was like, Notre Dame's campus looks different. Did they remove a building? I mean, they got rid of the Golden Dome. So it's just one exception. Like, it's a, that that's not one exception. It's the quarterback. It's the most important thing. Yeah. And so now we know, although we should have, we should have known after Florida State Toledo, why 
they insisted that Jack Cohn had to stay in the lineup. Um, you know, and that played itself out over the second half of the season when he was, when he was really, really good. I, can, I mean, can you imagine? I know a lot of people have said this and we are asked questions, you know, what would this team be with this quarterback, this quarterback? But what would this team be if Jack Cohn had been granted another year of eligibility? It, it Seven would be, and one. Yeah, I angry, yeah, I agree. Angry fans from Michigan and Clemson that Notre Dame is right there, right behind them as yeah. the highest ranked one loss team. <laughs> I don't we don't I don't include a lot of those questions because no. it's, I, it, because it doesn't really matter at this stage, but it's a legitimate point, And that's why I want to bring it up again now. We did skip over one W Jason P Marcus oh, Freeman often state Marcus Freeman often states he's the lead recruiter for every player. How much blame should he take for the mess that the QB is in terms of recruiting? Is he trusting Tommy's evaluation recommendations? Well, I, I would have thought that coming out of the spring, he would have said, we've got to have, we've got to have another quarterback. Um, but you know, at that stage, he's still a very young head coach dealing with a million things. He's leaning on Tommy Reese, who he wanted to be as his offensive coordinator. I think, I think Marcus Freeman will play a larger role in talent evaluation and recommendations moving forward. I think that's probably right. I think they, they made a tactical error with quarterback recruiting. I, I don't, I don't know. There's another way you can describe what happened there. They made a mistake with who they sort of hitched their wagon to. And acquisition, and of, recruiting and acquisition. Yeah, now, if, and now let me taking, just say, if Buckner's still healthy, we're not, we're not, we're not saying that as much. Well, I guess he's not no. playing no, no, well. No. He, they were always oh, two I'm with talking, Tyler Buckner. I'm <laughs> talking two with Tyler Buckner. Yeah, I'm talking recruiting only. Okay. In the 2023 recruiting class, they made a tactical error by going in all in on Dante Moore. That's very true. Yeah. With like adding a transfer. I believe that they tried to do it and couldn't get one. Um, they couldn't get one either to get into school or they found, or they couldn't get one that they thought was a match. Like, I think if somebody, <coughs> how would I say it? I think that they were open to it maybe more than, um, than maybe Freeman or, or Reese would say in a press conference. Well, they're going to find a way this time. Yes. They got to find a way next time around. I, I want to bring this up. Cause I have been increasingly critical. I think, everybody has been on drew pine they were zero and two with tyler buckner tyler buckner threw the pick to put them down two touchdowns in the marshall game it was not drew pine's fault he didn't rescue them that i think tyler buckner would have improved and been the story of the season and yeah. they might have two losses and he could have run against stanford <laughs> he, yes not he lost the game he was the quarterback of record that lost the game against marshall and i think i mentioned this monday but th this is the first time where i'm like wow, they sure could use Tyler Butner in a game like this because they need, and I, and I, and here's the thing in watching Clemson film, I think a running quarterback can hurt them, but there's, there is, they don't have one right now. They don't have one that's healthy. So it is what it is. Uh, question from, did we cover everything we need to there on yeah, W Jason yeah, so. Okay. Question from Florida, Irish 76. Is it possible that the uh, Drew Pine of North Carolina and BYU was the anomaly? and that he is not better than a 50% passer. If that's the case, did Freeman and Reese miss their opportunity to make a switch like they did in 2018 from Wimbush to Book to have Steve Angeli start against UNLV? The, the issue here is not if Pine is good enough or if Angeli will one day be better. It's that Ian Book going to 2018 was a junior that had started a game the previous year, had bailed out Notre Dame to beat LSU. And was every bit as good as Brandon Wimbush in the spring and summer and maybe should have started anyway. Uh, yeah. turns out they probably got the right guy in Brandon Wimbush because he beat Michigan. But this is not Angeli is not equal to Ian Book in this case. Does that do you guys agree with me? Ian no, Book, it does. Oh, it does. Not even no, because close. Chip Long, I mean, you can say what you want about Chip Long, but Ian Book and Brandon Wimbush convinced him that they needed to go to Ian Book. I mean, there's Indian book was a junior that had started one right. game and beat LSU. Like he right. was a player. He had come in he before he came in against Wake Forest too, Pete. Like he, I mean, no, he came in against Miami and played poorly, but he came in. Brandon Wimbush was lost for the whole second half against Wake Forest. He landed on his hand after a 50 yard run in 2017. Wimbush was lost for the Wake Forest second half. I have no recollection of that at all. Yeah. The famous um, uh, good quarterback. What's the Wake Forest guy. That's really good. Sam Hartman. Was he still on that team? No, it was, uh, he's Tim. You know, him. uh, 
Yeah, really? Smaller what? kid. Good, good, really good player. Wolford. Anyway. John Wolford. Yes, Wolford. Um, uh, the, Ian Book was no, in Oh, Pete second. would know him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he the, would remember him. Like the, the summer going into 2018, Book thought he was going to be the starter. Like Book thought it was his job. And when it went to Wimbush, Book's opinion was like, I'm going to get this job. Just wait. Steve Angeli is not even close to that. So that I though these situations are not similar at all. Also, you're are you really going to bench Drew Pine after immediately after the Stanford game? Probably not because BYU and North Carolina represent fifty percent of his starts this year. So it yeah, wasn't. I, I don't. Yeah, it's. A, I think it's a. I think it's a really good question. There's a has, lot of yeah, layers. Yeah, this is like is there it really going to be better? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, whatever. there are a lot of layers to this, but I don't believe that UNC and BYU were an anomaly. You don't. Th- you don't throw the football like that accidentally. He threw the ball well against those two teams. I know that North Carolina has a bad defense, but guys were open and he hit them. The last three games, guys have been open and he hasn't hit them. So, I mean, he didn't, you don't accidentally make the, the, he was really good against those two teams. So I don't think that's an anomaly. I think right now he's so far in his head that he just doesn't have a whole lot of confidence, which again is why I came out of the Syracuse game feeling like they've missed their opportunity because your your quarterback and your red zone defense and uh, several other things where I said, there are good things and bad things. There are just too many bad things right now. Hey, um, has got a, a quarterback that's lost his confidence as well. Maybe both teams can go with their backups. We'll see I'm what happens sure. with those two freshmen yeah. come in, right? That'll be nice and nice and fine. Wouldn't that be interesting? That could that could very well happen. Question from Club Fred ninety. Prior to the Clemson game two years ago, uh, there was concern that Clemson would steal Notre Dame's offensive play calling signs. Do those concern concerns still exist? And did those concerns now work the home site? The point of the question is, are those concerns gone now that Brent Venables is in Oklahoma? I asked right. Marcus right, Freeman about this. Do you want to take it from there, Tim? No, it's that's it, he said it's not a Clemson issue. It's a college football issue. Um, that's you got to be polite, though. It was Clemson was better at it than other people in college football. <laughs> they were good. They were notorious for it. UNLV and Stanford are notorious for it. So was, although they try, uh, obviously, Clemson was a little bit better at stealing signs. And I think the real key here, the question is being asked because does it affect the scan situation? Because Notre Dame's whole thing yes. right now yes. is signs, not yeah. call them all. Pete and you, like Pete, you and I were talking about before we we got on. I, you know, Notre Dame adjusted; they huddled up right two years ago to prevent that from happening. Now I like huddles. Those are I miss huddles now with the scan. Yeah, well, no offense, you, to Reese. They huddle they, sometimes. Yeah, maybe. not enough. I need fullbacks and huddles, Pete. You want to slow, you'll you're asking for a slower paced game? Is that what you <laughs> yeah. yes, fewer possessions? I need slow, I need fullbacks, huddles. Less to chart. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a both issue. I think Marcus Freeman's if he was being honest, would be like, Yeah, I'll, I'll steal your signs if they're right out there. Like, I don't have a problem. Oh, with I'm that not at all. questioning whether that's um, whether it was that's... just like Brent Venables was like the hall of fame sign stealer. Yeah. Um, and now that he's not there, yeah, it's not a I don't think it would be, it would just be like normal concern opposed to hyper, hyper, hyper concern when Brent Venables was doing it. Tim, go first. Cause I have to follow up. I have to follow up this question and it's, I'm not going to rip on club Fred. I'm ripping on the thought of stealing signs and not stealing signs. Well, I was going to say I was a baseball coach. Hell yeah. You can steal signs. You can't have, loud. you can't have a camera in the center in center field, stealing them. But right. yeah, that's, that is fair game, man. If you're signaling, plays in from the sideline that's fair game you got to do a better job at it if you're if they're being stolen did i tell you guys the story this is an incredible athletic sign stealing story <laughs> okay we are literally playing fifth grade basketball girls tournament game the other team christ oh the king oh very good God. christ the king i'm on the sideline christ the king runs an out of bounds play it's a very close game they're a good team they score on it i just yell out to our girls they are running box don't let her do that again. Every girl on my team, because that's our same play. It's our same play. I go, they're running box. You know where the ball's going, okay? 
So they're all excited about it. They stop it three times in a row. We take the ball out of bounds and a little girl on the other team goes, that they called it Bruno. But don't talk about Bruno. The yeah. little girl goes, they're running Bruno. I'm oh like, my God. You just stole that back from me. I am so impressed right now. So yes, steal all the signs you can every time you can all the time. That is sports. It's called being smart. Yeah, that's, that's part of the game. Did I... I'm sure I have, and I won't bore you too long with this, but they ever talk to you about our, my coaching signs in, at Mishawaka Marion. Nobody so. ever stole our signs. You know why? Because mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't what I touched. I bet you Brent Venables would have. Yeah. yeah Brent Venables uh, would have figured yeah, it out. Maybe over, maybe over time, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't what I touched that put the play on. It was what I didn't touch. Uh, put the play on kind of a negative space concept exactly like Very nice. nobody nobody christ ever the king that, that girl in christ the king would have stolen your sign i'm positive of it there is no doubt <laughs> <laughs> well 280 games later i don't think anybody stole our signs <laughs> i got we got our butts kicked sometimes but not because of the signs irish fan 76 11 this is a great question i had to look back when is the last time clemson faced anyone as physical as notre dame well nobody this year and ACC isn't physical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, they opened Georgia. with they opened with Georgia last year, and it was that's a, the last time, and they, they were lost, way more yeah. physical than Notre Dame. So if they can still feel that beating, they, they yeah, I mean, you know, Notre Dame's really their offensive line's really physical. I don't know that Notre Dame's defensive line's physicality stands Trending, above maybe? and beyond. Yeah, I mean, sure. Trending? Yeah, they've got. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they, I'm not saying it's up, not. A, they beat up Syracuse. You know, they they, yeah. they they held Clemson to 60 yards rushing in the middle. Unfortunately, Stanford was just as physical. That but was the a Syracuse D line is the Clemson D line is the polar opposite of Syracuse D line oh. in terms of size yeah. and physicality. But no, I'm, I'm so. talking about Notre Dame's D line right now. Like they are. The, I know they're not as physical as they were in 2020. Not even close. I they're don't really physical uh, team. Yeah, but, uh, I don't. They're not. I, they're not going to beat up. Clemson's offensive line. I don't think. No, I agree. Which they, but they, I felt like they did that in the game here in 2020. For sure. Like, no, no, I thought they beat up everybody. I thought beat them on both sides. Like Clemson was peeling itself off the turf by the end of the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like that's the Avery Davis play at the game, end of the game happened against backups because Notre Dame beat the crap out of their starters. So yeah. it, uh, but I don't, man, I don't look at that. That was such an old, savvy, yeah. Notre Dame team. I don't, this team doesn't have those vibes at all. Yeah. That's why, I mean, you know, it, it's the, the matchup of Clemson's defensive line against Notre Dame's offensive line is, I mean, it's a classic. It is, it is full strength against full strength. And we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens with that. All right, guys, we're down to prediction time, Notre Dame versus Clemson. Uh, I already have made a prediction this week. So, O'Malley, it's on you if you have not changed yours from what mine will be because it inevitably be almost the same as yours. I have Clemson <laughs> 23-17. I think that um, it's a low-scoring game, even if the weather was good, which it might not be. Right. I don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to pass the ball. Uh, Notre Dame scoring a third touchdown feels like it would have to be a non-offensive touchdown, which I as a general rule, I don't factor into predictions. Maybe it will happen. If it does, then Notre Dame could win the game. If it doesn't, I have a hard time seeing that happening. So I think Notre Dame will run the ball pretty well, but I think they have to run the ball the best they have run it basically in the last 15 years to win this game. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I have, a, I have a few keys to Notre Dame being able to beat them. And I, I agree with you, Pete, that I was going under, even if without the weather, I'm going to kind of discount the weather for my own. If, if the, if the wind's terrible, this could be 20 to nothing, 20 to three, anything like that. You, you have no idea if, it, if the differentiator comes in. I think the key to Notre Dame offensively is on first down, they are able to pass as well. They can't win against Clemson by going second and six, third and two, first and 10, second and six, third and two, first and 10. I think they have to mix in the past. They're most successful when they do that. I think ideally I Notre Dame plays a game and this did not happen the last time against Clemson where there was 10 possessions that to Ohio state. I think if you get 12 possessions for both teams in this game, because the more possessions there are, it favors Clemson. So you get 12 possessions or under for both teams is a huge thing. Um, can Notre Dame have five productive possessions? I don't mean five touchdowns, but five productive possessions. Clearly Notre Dame's red zone needs to stop. Priester brought that up. <laughs> I mean, 
There's three red times. zone trips and it's three touchdowns. Notre Dame's going to give up 30 because Clemson's going to score something from the outside. So Notre Dame's can't even say overdue for a stop. It's ridiculous at this point. They need to stop there. And I'm glad you guys brought up Brandon Wimbush because I all week have been trying to figure out why I think Notre Dame is going to win the game. And I've been thinking all year long, it's like 23-13 Clemson. I think it's like the Michigan game when Brandon Wimbush beat Michigan. And when you look at the final stats and Notre Dame has one first down or two first downs in the second half, and you're just like, how did they do that? I think there's two offensive touchdowns and the defense or Brian Mason. Brian Mason himself might block this punt. The defense (laughs) or Brian Mason comes out and finds a way. And I have Notre Dame 24-23 in the biggest upset pick for me in a long time. Wow. When is the last time I'm asking you guys, I'm quizzing that you. Brian the Mason la- blocked a punt. I don't know, but I bet he does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, the last time just bumping Clarence Lewis. last week. <laughs> the, the last time I put that in that- the film review, Pete. <laughs> Thank you. When is the last time that Clemson gave up 200 yards rushing? Uh, two. Well, Ohio State? Pre- pre- yeah. Two games ago against Florida state. Oh, what? The- the, pro- the, the problem, problem is, is yeah, the, the problem, problem is, well, they had a they had a twenty point lead, and so also though, Florida State scored. Jose two- wasn't playing. Uh, yeah, I well, and they gave yeah they gave up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and I think you know while Clemson was expecting pass, they ran and and, and built it up a little bit. But Pete, I agree with you. I do think that Notre Dame will have some success running the football, but how much success is contingent upon the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is going to be, it's going to be difficult. If drew pine, are you kidding me, Tim? You're, you're predict. If drew pine, two helps, he's giving me two scores. He's giving me so two. He's going scores. to, if drew pine helps orchestrate a, a victory over Clemson. I mean, what's a, giving what's me a, two scores. He's two he scores. helps orchestrate it. He helps it. He is not the game MVP. Although obviously if Notre Dame beats Clemson, you could just vote. Drew no, I so just, you, my, what, for all you care, but you are factoring a non-offensive touchdown. I am in your factoring prediction. in Notre Dame's defense. I just said, you can't do that. Yeah, but that's not, that's you not the same rules we play. Yeah. <laughs> Notre Dame's defense and special teams are in a trending in a way that they can create a short enough field or a score against Clemson. How many kicks? And everybody else they play. And everybody How many else kicks has Notre Dame blocked this year? They've blocked five, five, five. but they've influenced. How many has Clemson blocked? Five. Four. 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 Yeah, but they've never faced John Sott, Tim. Come on now. That's John Sott for crying out loud. John <laughs> Sott. Have you he, seen John Sott punt? Okay. I have, but it doesn't mean he's unblockable. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'll have my prediction tomorrow. O'Malley, you uh you surprised me there. I know I did. And it may, all and it, week long, all week long, I have the after spidey, picking the Syracuse, Syracuse last week. I know they surprised me. They surprised that the yeah uh, Garrett Schrader didn't play. I want to point that out. But um, yeah. <laughs> that's why I you should. Said, I have you not said have been that all week. I have to point it out. Well, before. you should. I if I were you, I would have changed your pick. I mean, when once once that intel came in, yeah, Syracuse had. I realized the kid came in and did some things in the second half. When when. Garrett Schrader was injured coming into the game. They had no chance of winning. Now they should have Syracuse put Del Rio no Wilson ch- in earlier for sure. In yeah. the first, at the, the end first of the first quarter. game. Right. Notre Dame could have used Del Rio Wilson at some yeah. point this year too, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. yeah. Like right now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it for Irish Illustrated Insider. O'Malley and Priest are coming back to you from Notre Dame Stadium Saturday night. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.